Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Some of you may know me as Irsa of Clan Vesser. Others may have heard legends and stories of the Golden Bear. For those who have not had the pleasure of hearing my adventures, I am a human barbarian that hails from the north. Years ago, my clan was ravaged by the cult of the Howlite Claw. But now I have reason to believe that my twin sister Orna is still alive, and it is my mission to find her once again. I enjoy a good drink, good company, and a good adventure where justice is delivered to those who need it. I despise magic, and am honest with those around me. And yes, I have dabbled, poorly, in poetry from time to time. If you cannot guess already, my totem animal is, of course, the bear. And I can summon bears to my aid whenever I roll a natural 20. The world is dark and filled with those who wish to harm others. But I will always be a champion for those in need. Class is in session, and today we're dropping the controller and picking up some dice to talk about DMing tabletop RPGs. As always, I'm your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university writer for Geek Girl Authority, Get Fandom, player in Mass Effect Adventum, actual play podcast, GM extraordinaire, and now the creative, a creative producer at G4TV, Welcome back, Emily Rose Jacobson. How's it going? Hello, pretty good. Wow, pretty I, good. I wanna, I wanna have like a, uh, I want my barbarian to do like a, a arm, uh, arm wrestling contest with Urza. She sounds awesome. She is, uh, she's my, my she's my sweet daughter. That was my first D and D I ever created in college, or just in ever. I played in college for the first time, and then. Uh, she really kind of took more of a character form when I was used her in uh, the Bearded Men's uh, Swords and Sorcery, the improvised campaign on Geek and Sundry and live in Los Angeles at Impro Theater. And uh, so she just evolved and became more and more fun over time. And she's like a very charismatic, wacky, uh, huge, beautiful lady barbarian. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I'm quite, I haven't played a, uh, a, to- a bear totem barbarian is the whole summoning bears when you hit a 20 like a natural like a normal ability or is that kind of like the homebrew? No, that was that was something that my game master uh Timothy gave me. Uh my dungeon master, sorry, Timothy, he gave that to me. And so he was like uh I think I just went to him cuz uh and I was just like I just kind of cuz the way we we play D&D, we've always played D&D is kind of fast and loose where it's very much like uh just feel free to ask the DM whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, great, I'm going to, f- here's how you can try and do that. So I think I just turned to him one day while on a show and I was like, can I just 
I just want to summon a bear. <laughs> and uh, he was like, let's see what happens. And I rolled a natural 20. It was unbelievable. And so that just became a thing. Uh, I could just summon bears if whenever I rolled a natural 20. And for like, I think three out of the four times I've tried to do it have always been natural 20s, which is just unreal. Now, do the bears just magically appear like in a puff of smoke or do they just run out of like off camera, kind of like Assassin's Creed where you summon your horse and you turn around and the horse is there? Is it like very much like Assassin's Creed or some kind of like Marvel versus Capcom side scroller like entrance? <laughs> Excellent. The bear, the bear uh, it's either it, it can be one or, or multiple depending on the situation, but they it's usually just one bear, a huge bear uh, just appears and then just uh, unleashes uh hell upon those around me does it then like once it's done does it just like disappear like that tuxedo mask uh meme where it's like my work here is done it's like what and i'm like you did so much <laughs> thank you <laughs> goodbye bear yeah i think it's kind of like yeah it's like a magical summoning thing and then the bear just kind of uh return is returned back to where it belongs that's so cool see that's the joy of tabletop where you can do crazy stuff like that I love it. And it, and it makes for me, it makes the barbarian totem just that much more oh, yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. Get on it, wizards. Make that like a legit ability. Because um, that sounds like a blast. But we are here to talk about DMing or running a game as a game master. A feat that you have tons of experience with. Like you have run games. You've done like Geek and Sundry. You were the... Uh, GM, I believe, for Rat Queens, right? On mm -hmm. Sun or Hyper, and it's Hyper, like yeah. And then I also did the Witcher RPG at Hyper, yeah. And it's like you have done a bunch of like highly visible, like online GM games, and I'm just curious from your perspective, like when I guess to start off with, in your home games, kind of that aren't being broadcast or recorded. Do you prefer to be a player or run a game? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I love being a player. I do mm -hmm. because you get to do so much fun stuff. But then there's another part. I think I love it. But I think I love both of my children equally. Mm -hmm. uh, no. As my mom would say, you are my favorite daughter. You are my favorite son. So you are you are my favorite as a player. You are my favorite as a dungeon master. Because yeah. uh, I think what's really fun with dungeon master is that I get so excited by these stories I want to tell mm -hmm. that I like I did a one shot recently for Mass Effect Adventum. And it was because I knew what I wanted to do with it. I was like, oh, I'm going to do I won't give it away. But I was like, I'm going to do something really, really wacky with this. And was so excited by that idea that I was like, yeah, screw playing a character. I get to like make this insane story. And that had like a very has a very big twist in it and watch everyone's reactions when the twist plays out, which is always my mm -hmm. favorite. That's that's the best part of being a dungeon master when stuff is revealed to your players and you get to watch like their faces. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, it's really fun to also play a character. Cause then you get to really dive into like the meat of exploring what a character would do in the situation. And you get to build relationships with people at the table and the dungeon master and their mm -hmm. NPCs. Uh, like my character Melovia right now, she's my longest. Uh, I would say this is the longest game I've been in. I don't know if she, yours has probably got her on years, but, uh, Melovia has definitely become like such an important character to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I I love her. Love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I feel like 
I, I, I love having a balance. Like right now, on one day of the week, I play as a player, um, Theodore Pendleton Tricklefoot, a gnome barbarian berserker, small but angry, as I like to call him. Um, absolutely love playing him as a character, but then on like Wednesday nights, I'm a DM where I get to flesh out and take my players on like this wild adventure and this world that I'm creating with them. And it's like, I love that balance. I, I, I'm very much like you, where I love both being a player and being able to role play and do the the improv of this one character kind of fleshing out their idea and their backstory and beliefs. And then I love, I've always been a huge fan of the the more grandiose world lore building, historical building um, that you can do as a DM. It's both offer such great um, avenues for creativity and imagination, I think. Oh, 100%. And I one of those dungeon masters that gets really bad in which I will in my head be like, world building, world building, world building, world building. And uh, sometimes I'll write it down mm -hmm. and or else I'll just do too much world building and uh, not enough plot <laughs> or anything. Because <laughs> that to me is like so much of a fun part is like fleshing out the world around you. Mm -hmm. Or you do or you do so much world building and then your players are like, I'm going to go over here and do nothing of like, we're not going to engage with yeah. anything you've carefully crafted. And you're just like, okay, okay. But that's when you just have to release it. Yeah. And, and to know too, that like, you can always bring it back later. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that you can always remember too, is if some, if your players don't go and do something that you like planned out to do, just save it for later. You already planned oh, yeah. it out. And especially if you love it so much, you can bring it back. Yeah. And I think for, for people, that dm games especially that is one of the quickest things you will ever learn is like you can have the most grandiose and perfect encounters planned or risky dungeons filled with traps and hidden chests and none of it will usually matter because your party will do something totally different than you were expecting in like the first five minutes of a game Oh, in my in my in my Krogan one shot that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. they were doing a thing where they were trying to like they were messing with a door. They were messing with the door to um the cockpit of the transport vessel they were in. And had they messed with it a certain way, the whole thing would have gone off rails. The whole thing would have not been anything I planned. Mm hmm. <laughs> and I was just like I was sitting there sweating bullets. I think you can we recorded it live. And if you go on our YouTube, you can watch me at one point. My face is just very like I am literally the cogs are going like mm -hmm. 90 miles an hour in my head being like, OK, what do we do? What do we do if they literally break it? What do we do? <laughs> yeah. And it's like you can think it's like, OK, I have if the, if they do this, I have this going on. It, if they do this, this, I'll have this happen. And then when you realize they're not doing any of your potentially planned like other avenues they could go off on it's like oh crap okay how are we gonna do this how are we gonna do this okay i'm gonna oh oh crap they're talking to someone i just threw out as a random yeah. npc for fluff okay they want they're interrogating this individual okay and how are we it, gonna work and, this in and isn't it in your experiences like the npcs that you just like are like this is just uh you see a guy named craig and yeah. he's here uh, everyone's like, that's my new favorite NPC. And you're like, really? The one that I just like <laughs> popped out of my head? Yeah. <laughs> With no planned anything? You don't want cool planned NPC I have over in this corner? 
but I have this librarian over here who has a deep family dark secret. Don't you don't you want to talk to them? No, I want to talk to yeah. the leather worker, Craig. He yeah, seems like a good Craig. one. He's got a weird <laughs> voice and we think he's funny. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so I'm curious. What have you noticed, if anything, is is different when you run a game just for your normal group of friends as opposed to running a game that is recorded or streamed um what's i guess what's that like hmm that's an excellent question um i know that it's very much like when you're doing something when you're doing a, a an rpg that's like on stream it's it's almost you are not it's not just this i think the biggest difference is it's not just a story for you and your group. It's also for the audience. So um, the way I kind of dungeon master, I make sure to look at the camera and, the, and I invite the audience. And yeah, I think it's very much, it's a, it's a, it's an acknowledgement of the audience and it's an energy thing where I can sit at a table in my normal D&D sessions and it can be kind of like a normal amount of en energy. Okay. I'm a very goofy player though in that mm -hmm. I very much react in any situation I'm in where I'm like, oh, that's the thing from earlier. I'm like that player yeah. at the table who's like, ah, uh, and stuff. But um, when you're on camera, it's also like, oh, yeah, I'm sharing this. It's just I think yeah, I think it comes down to it's being shared with more people than just those at your table. So it's making sure that that energy goes to them. It's making sure that they know that they are a part of the table as well. Mm -hmm. That's very much how I always uh gm like on stream where it's like yeah you're not just watching this you're actually you're you're witnessing it with us and how cool is that uh especially when there's things like incentives and i think that was one of my favorite parts of uh doing rat queens on hyper rpg was we had an npc incentive where uh, the audience could create an npc that i would just have to throw into the game and a lot of the times I would make those NPCs, they would end up becoming pretty pivotal characters or like one NPC actually spawns like this entire cult that ended up playing a huge part in, oh, the, wow. in the overall story, mm -hmm. which was like so, so cool. And so uh, it's gifts like that where it's like, you're not going to get that in your in your home table RPG. But that's okay because I think both experiences are very, very unique and very, very different. We're like, Table game is just for me and my friends where we're just like, I can just kind of be whatever Emily I am that day. Mm -hmm. uh, live stream Emily does have to be kind of like on yeah. camera ready and camera on. But there is this creative element of bringing the audience into the game as well that I've always really, really loved. That's interesting. I, I feel because like, the audience is very yeah. much like the dice as well. I've got the dice, which tells me how things are going to be done. And then the audience almost is like another paradise where the audience is like, oh, and throw this in too. Mm -hmm. uh, which is always really fun when you're like, yeah, when you're just creating a story out of thin air. I think that's what's so cool with tabletop RPGs is that the decisions are left up to chance and you just weave stories around that chance. And I think that's what's really, really cool. I Kind of going along with that, that idea of chance and weaving as you go, it's one thing that I've never stopped being surprised by as a DM is how such good story comes out of random events you didn't plan for in the beginning how you might have had an idea for a story or how something might play out but in your response to your party doing something you weren't expecting or going somewhere you weren't planning for more often than not i feel just that 
kind of improv improvisational um kind of on the fly lore crafting and world building has led to such amazing moments like i feel like most of those moments i still look back on finally are the crazy ridiculous situations that they get in that i hadn't planned for to begin with mm-hmm. and that aspect of the tabletop experience never ceases to amaze me oh a hundred percent i'm the exact same way i think that's what's so fun is yeah like you can play it all you want but honestly it is it is the unique group of people you have at the table that will help create such a unique kind of moment for everyone there because honestly like as like Bert will always at the beginning of Mass Effect Adventure anytime we went off of his notes of like what he was going to do for the session mm-hmm. he would visibly this was before pandemic times when we were all separated uh he would visibly like we would see him just crumple up pages and pages of notes <laughs> in front of us and he would just stare at us as he did it uh, and it's to the point where he just realized he couldn't really plan anything. He could plan a few things for our games, but because we were just such a wild and unpredictable group. But like uh, from a GM, how boring would it be for everyone? To, I mean, I as a GM, I take a long time to craft my stories and mm-hmm. stuff. And you want it to play out to a certain extent. But man, it would be so boring if they just did everything by the book, too. Mm-hmm. So I think us as GMs, as much as we want to show our players, like, how dare you go away from the plot line? It's very much like I kind of want you to do this go ahead have fun we're gonna mm-hmm. all wing it and i love as i love the challenge like the creative challenge of as the gm the game master how to take what they're doing and then work it into the narrative beats or the overarching story that you want to tell like um one of like the campaign i'm running right now it was um like a cult trying to take over and replace people with homunculi and all this stuff. And they were sent to try and initially they were sent to contact the King and kind of see what was wrong with him. Well, they just started randomly doing like missing person requests. And it's like, okay, well that was just a random thing I said was on like the mercenary guild board. Cause they wanted to take a look. It's like, uh, you see some missing, like a missing person report and a lost dog. It's like, we're going to go, check out this missing person report instead of checking up on the king. It's like, okay, like, okay. okay, that that works too. Um, but then that spawned into this whole side narrative where they found like this underground workshop in the sewers and they rescued the person. And then it turns out that their body double, the homunculus had already been found and they left one of their party members with them. And then he got killed and then it just trickled from there. And, it culminated with them uh, finally killing this creature that had killed their party member um, in a yeah. recent in the game I played last night. But none of that would have happened had they stuck to. No, we're just going to go check up on the king or whatever. And having to work things in um, keeps me on my toes as a, as a creative individual. And I love it. Totally. Those are the best moments. And yeah, and it's. And I think it's just a very much a testament to a dungeon master, like in your case, of of how good of a storyteller they are, where they can take this moment where the players kind of are going to go, OK, we want to kind of do this instead. And you're able to be like, all right, game on. Let's weave a story out of this. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm curious from your point or from your perspective or your experience as a DM, what's been kind of the most crazy 
oh my god like the craziest oh my god moment or divergence that you've had your player players take you on Ooh, oh gosh i have to like go through my my memories um or is there a a divergent (sighs) storyline that didn't initially exist but then spawned like a really big or important moment for you in in a game you ran I'm like flipping through the Rolodex of Rat Queens right now. <laughs> um, I mean, a, a definite funny moment for me. I'll just say like a moment that surprised me mm-hmm. and like brought me so much joy because it's the first thing that came to my head was our Gen Con live show. And I was like, I had I had the book rolled and told and there was kind of a, a one shot in that book that I was like, okay, I'm going to use this as like my, my cornerstone. Mm-hmm. The idea of like solving, solving a murder mystery somewhere. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have the Rat Queens go to a convention. Let's have a convention at a convention <laughs> show. That's always fun. Very meta. And, and, well, I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I set up this whole murder mystery and like the NPCs are very much like, hey, Ooh, we, we brought you in like we thought you're going to just be here to hang out so uh please just be super on like on keep this murder on the down low we don't want to uh, frighten any other of the attendees we want to try and keep this in house as possible we want to solve this as fast as possible so if you can help us and also offer any kind of like muscle we need that we would greatly appreciate it mm-hmm. and so it's very much been reiterated do not like <laughs> don't don't tell anybody else about this murder please and um, uh, they decide to go into like the art, I think the dealer's room of this convention and they go up to the first like person they see and Jess is Hannah, like just through sheer, just uh, trying to drive a plot and, and in no way was trying to do anything other than like being character and be engaging was just like, uh, so what do you know about the murder? <laughs> <laughs> and like and just had completely forgot that like the characters were like please no don't talk about the murder and of course i i had set the stakes that like we don't want to frighten people so immediately this character just like starts flipping out and it's like there's been a murder and then uh it made everyone like i was in tears and the whole entire audience was dying and jess just had to like realize what she did and she was like oh no <laughs> like i didn't mean to do that but it's those moments where it's just like Mm-hmm. I think it's the it's the beautiful mix of of dungeon master and and player. Where like you set the stakes, and if someone violates those, like if someone challenges those stakes, you have to pay that off. Mm-hmm. And so it curts into this entire thing where like they had accidentally told the entire yeah they suddenly revealed that there had been a murder, and this guy just started going off. <laughs> I quickly regret this decision. <laughs> yes, and shout but... big shout out to Jessica Lynn Verde who is actually who is on a. A guest on this podcast to talk about the Rat Queen's experience and the tabletop earlier. So Yeah. Uh, wonderful, wonderful individual Jess is. A hundred percent. So I'm I'm curious, like, as a player or even as a DM, where do you are you find kind of I guess coming up with like new abilities? Like, are you one of the DM kind of DMs or players that would want kind of homebrew abilities given out or uh, custom magic weapons or things like that? Or or do you prefer more things are bad? I I prefer things a little bit more balanced. I'll use ones from like the actual books and things. 
I, it's kind of a combination. I think uh, I like to give custom things if it's like the story prompts for it or the character really deserves it or if the character is like asking for something specific. Mm-hmm. Like if we go to a market and the character is like, I want to try and do this or I want to try and build this. And I, I totally hear you about balance. So I try to always like if I give something somebody somebody that's if I give somebody something that is really, really powerful or very, very unique, I always try to balance it out, too. Mm-hmm. And and whatnot, because you don't want to be like you're all OP now, because <laughs> I think yeah. that's like that's such a I I'm not a huge fan of I like to give people kind of uh, equal fights. Um, I don't want to give someone completely overpowered. Like here's an enemy with just like 200 hit points, and this is going to be the slog of a battle. Mm-hmm. I really like battle. If I start to feel that, um, and I think that's something else. Going back to your question about um, tabletop kind of behind like tabletop for your own self versus mm-hmm. tabletop on stream, the navigation of battles. That is the biggest thing for me because uh, at a table, you can have a battle that goes on for like five rounds yeah. and, and that's just the nature of it. And sometimes you're just kind of like, okay, let's get through this. But for, for me, when it's on stream, it's like, okay, these, ba- these battles need to kind of be able to be wrapped up in at least three turns mm-hmm. because we want to get to some other stuff. We want to get to some other stuff. And so uh, depending on how a battle will go, I will then kind of either give them either more of a challenge if it's going a little too fast or if, it is, if they're just rolling poorly, uh, I will try and like navigate and mm-hmm. allow them to like allow the battle to become a little bit more exciting. Either like an NPC shows up or there's an environmental thing, or the enemy suddenly just has like a different <laughs> rethinks their life choices, yeah. and and not ending it entirely, but putting a twist on it that kind of gives them much more of an advantage if they're having a bit of a hard time. And that's something I really, really try to do more of in live stream mm-hmm. games, just to keep the energy up and just keep the momentum up, just for people watching too. Yeah, I think kind of what you meant and like taking a read of the room and kind of the situation how it's progressing i think it's important to and honestly in my opinion perfectly fine to perhaps flub roles if you need to like okay this character i guess it's uh, like on the fly okay this guy's a bit too hard it looks like for them right now i'll lower their armor class by two or okay for the sake of brevity and kind of the the situation the spell hits when it normally wouldn't. I think situations like that can really make the experience as opposed to buy the book. Nope. Sorry, that fails, even though they did something cool or I I like to reward creativity. I think rewarding creativity of your players is so important as a DM. Mm -hmm. Yes. This, uh, like the first game I ever played, I made like an inside joke mm-hmm. uh, about there was this person that we all knew at my college who was just very like this aggressive kind of like weird bully person. Mm-hmm. And so I had somehow weaved them into my backstory <laughs> and my my dungeon master was like, you get a point of inspiration for that. And so it was like, oh, how fun, because I was like sharing a tale. Mm-hmm. And I was reci- recounting a tale of of Ear- of Ears's past in this one person, uh, and my DM was like, "Yep, point of inspiration." And that's when I was like, "Oh, the the more the more creative I am, the more fun I have, the more fun everybody has." 
if that makes sense. That's mm-hmm. what I learned as a player. I was like, oh, I can go really like goofy with this or I can just get as fun as I want and like get as creative and and rich and like lore into this character in the world. Yeah. Wait. When you're, I want, I, I want to get your opinion on uh, both sides of it. What do you look for, or like in your mind, what makes a really good DM? And from the other's perspective, as a DM, what makes a really good player? Oh, okay. Um, a really good DM is someone who, like, gives you character moments or gives you kind of character nuggets but also weaves your character's backstory or their wants into the plot. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, hey, we're all going to go kill this dragon. It's, oh, as a dungeon master, I know that like you have, say, uh, your family was like, you you're lost your family when you were really, really young and like their house burned down and they were robbed and it was this terrifying event and you're now a rogue because of <laughs> it, uh, which is a trope. Uh, but um, but then as a, as a dungeon master, I'd be like, hey, uh, either I tell the player if, they, if they're inquiring about what all the treasure is or when they get there and they slay the dragon and they find this treasure. It's like you actually find... Um, this locket that belonged to your mother that you thought had been stolen and, and taken from you. And like with the death of your family and this robbery and this fire, uh, you thought you had lost everything, but now you have a piece of your family back. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, Oh, do I go and find the rest of the pieces of like our family jewels or like, or is this some kind of solace? Like, is this a sign from the gods? It's a way a good dungeon master incorporates a, a character fully into the story through either NPCs or moments or backstory or like their wants really involves that character in a story. Uh, And then a good player is someone who rolls with the punches (laughs) and who, who rolls with what the dungeon master gives them. It's really tough when you're like, I'm going to, Hey, like your characters, this is going to happen to your character because of how low you rolled. And you have a, you have a player who's like, no, this can't happen. And like, not in like a fun way is very much like a, no, I'm not going to let you do this kind of way. Mm-hmm. We were like, hey, come on. Like, I'm not going to, If you, I want you to trust me as a dungeon master that I'm not going to do anything that's going to 100% alter your character. I'm just going to give them something new to work with. Uh, so I think as a player, the best way, the best thing you can do is kind of, uh, I th- I've said this before, players need to yes and a GM or a dungeon master mm-hmm. and the dungeon master needs to yes. And the players, I think it's very much a symbiotic relationship. No one person has, has a power over the story than the others. The players don't mm-hmm. have more power over the story and the DM, the dungeon master doesn't have more power over the story. It is such community group story, story, storytelling that everybody needs to be working together. Like uh, on an I, equal level. I love that. Um, and until, until you say it, like, I had never really thought about it that way, but it's true. They like the DM can craft so much, but it's up to the players to choose where and how they go about things. And the players can only act within kind of the bound or act within kind of the boundaries and rules and kind of the world that the DM sets up. It's such a symbiotic relationship to create an overall harmonious, fun tabletop experience. And I hadn't really thought about it that way before. Yeah, because all this is is like that's what really attracted me to tabletop RPGs mm-hmm. is I I literally was, did not understand kind of like get 
get D&D until I literally watched the community episode because mm-hmm. I had a, my freshman roommate in college loved community. So she played it all the time in our dorm room. And I remember just coming back to my dorm room and the D&D episode was on. and I was watching it and I was like, oh, D&D is it's just everybody telling a story together. How fun. Mm-hmm. And that's what really drove me to be a player. And also and then a dungeon master is just that the communal storytelling part. How unique, how special we all get to be a part of the story together. Mm hmm. I'll have to check that out. I haven't I haven't seen I haven't watched Community much, but I want to check <laughs> out that episode. Uh, but kind of going along that line, I'm curious, how would you describe tabletop RPGs to like some like a D&D? Because that's one thing I've noticed is, especially for new players, the daunting is like, I, I just don't know how to play. But it's like, you don't it's just you just kind of make it up as you go. Like, how would you describe to someone fresh, what tabletop RPGs are, or like how you would play them? Uh, you and your friends get to all tell a story together. You all get to be authors and create a very unique story together that no one else could ever possibly create. I think that's what's really so special about it, because uh, the DM's bringing something special. Everybody is bringing something special as their characters. Regardless of how many people do the, if I mean, I'm, there's modules for a reason, mm-hmm. but the way you do a module is not the way I'm going to do a module and it's not the way they're going to do a module. And so it's, it's even though there's modules, everybody's experience with them is so uniquely different based on who the dungeon master is, based on who the characters are and the choices they make and how the module is played. And I think that's what's so special is that like, cause I got into D&D and it wasn't like, uh, I, I am the kind of player too, who's like, I'm not very movement or kind of rules heavy. Mm-hmm. I'm very much a, I'm like a cool mom. I'm a very cool D&D mom <laughs> where I'm like, hey, like you just tell me what you want to do and we're going to figure this out. I'm not going to let you do insane stuff that breaks the game. But I've never <laughs> been like, you can only move this far because this is your movement. Or uh, like I, I use minis, but I namely use mm-hmm. them as decoration or like this is my character. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never really used them as in like a measure of distance or having to play within those rules. Uh, unless you're doing something like Warhammer, where that is very, very, very yeah. specific. But, um, but yeah, I think I would just say, hey, we're all gonna come hang out and uh, create really fun characters and then tell a story together. How cool is that? That's how I would describe D and D. That's great. That's great. And now, one thing I'm always curious about, and I always like to see where people lie on. What's your opinion or thought on resurrecting dead characters? I say you need a good reason to do it. I think you need, I think if you just suddenly resurrect a character, it takes away stakes. Mm -hmm. And I think a good story has stakes and a good story has loss. How great. Like when bad things happen to your character, oh, that's so great. Cause then you get to like figure out what comes next. There's a phrase in improv called uh, killing the vampire, which it means basically get to it. Like we all know that you're going to kill the vampire. And mm-hmm. so people who are nervous or who want to play it safe will just kind of elongate getting to killing the vampire. But when you kill the vampire, oh man, what comes next? You don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And that's where the fun is. The fun is when the unexpected and the unknown. So like, I just told my, I just told Bert from Mass Effect Adventum, uh, Hey, I am a hundred percent. Okay. With my character. If, if there's something, if I roll really poorly, if we're in a situation where she gets maimed, or like loses like I'm 100% fine I think also too communication is very very key 
between mm-hmm. dungeon master and player. You have to know what your character's limits are and you have to know what's okay with your players. Yeah. And making sure that the table, this this storytelling experience is a safe and productive and fun one because the last thing you mm-hmm. want to do is put somebody in an uncomfortable situation, which is why I told my dungeon master, hey, I am personally okay if you want to like, if Malovia loses an eye or if she like gets a crazy scar like Garrus, like gets half mm-hmm. her face blown off like Garrus right. or like loses an arm because I will, I, how cool, like I will mm-hmm. put that into my story and that like she, like how does she overcome this? I don't know. We're going to find out. And that's what's so cool, I think. Um, it's very much like, oh gosh, what was your original question? Um, no, just the, how. what's your thought on resurrecting? Resurrecting, yeah. I would say it has to be for a good reason. It's got to be either for mm-hmm. like a story reason or a character reason. I would never like be like, guess what, he's back. Uh, it would mm-hmm. be, yeah, it would have to be for like, I think the most fun part is when you bring a resurrection into a story and it's just so heartbreaking. And then your characters at the table are are like, why did you hurt me like this? And I'm like, welcome to Emily playing Dragon Age Inquisition where I romance (laughs) Solas. And uh, that was really heartbreaking for me. So now Mm -hmm. I get to break the hearts of people at my table. (laughs) So I think, I think, yeah, I say resurrect characters for like, this is me being nasty. Resurrect them for plot. Resurrect them for pain. (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of there with you. I don't like the idea like, in battle or something okay you failed your death saves oh you have a cleric that could cast revivify on you so you're just alive again it's like i feel like it like you said it takes away that those stakes and that sense of danger and the risk of things could go badly and i think it also rewards players to kind of strategize and really plan ahead as opposed to oh, we'll just come back anyway what's it matter Exactly. Um, and it, and I think it helps because like sometimes you get players who are like, I'm just going to rush in and do crazy stuff. And it's like, think about and I think you can have those players, but it's also like you also want them to have like a thing about your I think it depends. It also depends on the story you're telling yeah. the people you're with. If you're with people who, you know, are just like being super goofy, uh, then you're going to play into that. But if you're playing with people who are really having a serious story, then like, yeah, death is on the table. If you mm-hmm. fail those saves, like and I think if, if someone is really if I have like a character who or a player who's like literally like just losing it at a table because their character just died i might be like oh, i'm gonna give you one more chance I'm gonna, mm-hmm. and, I, and i will build it narratively like yeah. i will give it narrative reason for giving them one more chance yeah yeah i like that i think that's i think that's important yeah and you put it perfectly it's about reading your table and knowing what people are comfortable with um i remember in a recent can campaign the party members left one of the basically one of the party members alone to kind of watch and kind of act as a act as a watcher against these people they weren't sure of, but they left him overnight by himself, didn't check on him. So I was like, okay. Well, you put him in extreme danger. So I met with I talked with the players, like, how do you want to do this? Do you want to have a shot to fight and see if you can survive do you want to how do you want to do it and we talked and his character ended up dying so we rolled a new one but it it's that kind of having that open communication and that conversation with the players and being able to figure out what works but like you said for the narrative for the players for the story yeah because ultimately like you want to make sure everybody at the table's having fun yeah because as, as cool as a story can be the most important thing is that everybody at the table is feeling safe and having fun mm-hmm. and having uh, a dungeon master who knows that and having players who know that makes it makes all the difference. Yep. hundred percent. 
So what's been the zaniest, like the as, I as a player even now or for you, you can what's been kind of the silliest outcome you can think of, like or side quest you've gone on as a like a player? Oh, um, or I guess what's your funniest tabletop story? so tough um i think it was i think one of our recent ones was with uh mark Mir. so we actually had the commander shepherd himself come guest on an episode or a few episodes i believe it was two or three of mass actually i think it was maybe one or two maybe just one my brain mm-hmm. is going quarantine <laughs> has had quarantine has lost you. me what is time uh, anymore <laughs> so we had Mark in general we had Mark Mir on and he was playing uh he was playing a character called uh a, a Roka oh gosh what's oh now I'm being a bad Mass Effect person <laughs> uh oh, what is it called he was playing one of those uh he was playing a very intense alien named uh Ricks or Virk Vrick Vrick was playing uh, an alien named Rick who worked for like a gang on this kind of small space station we were on mm-hmm. and we're like going through and uh, we were supposed to like kind of exchange this cash, but the cash had been stolen. And so we're like running through this kind of CD space station and security comes up to us and we're like not the we're kind of mercenary <laughs> group. And so mm-hmm. he Mark Mir just goes up to like these officers and it was like, I would like to report a robbery. <laughs> and We're like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and just everyone at the table absolutely lost it. And it was just like, what is happening? Why are you telling like we are not supposed to be involved with the law enforcement in any way. Why are you telling them that like our stolen <laughs> the goods that have like we were kind of exchanging under the table have been stolen? <laughs> or he either said like I would like to report a robbery or I'd like to report a burglary. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so that was super fun. And then a, another wacky thing was we had like planned out like I'm a huge heist fan. Mm-hmm. I love heists. I love Persona Five. I love the Oceans films. Anytime there's a heist, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I even built a heist in Iraq Queens because I love heists so much. Mm-hmm. So our our DM, our, our Bert was like, I know this and I'm giving you all a heist. And I'm like, oh, yes. And my character's like a, an agent. So I have all this like knowledge. <gasps> this is gonna be so cool. She's like using her knowledge of how she would like bust heists to figure out how she can properly do one. Oh, this is great. So our 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 friend uh, uh, Naeem, who's Commander Nickens, is like, I'm gonna go on the top of this other building to take point. As like we're like, uh, oh gosh, what do you call it when you like we're scope? Basically, we're scoping out mm-hmm. the museum that we're supposed to steal from. And we're all like in disguise, and we're like, this is so fun and so cool. Look at us, we're so neat. Uh, and immediately he gets stopped by security and just starts to roll natural ones on every single charisma check, and uh, it. <laughs> The heist that God we had, bless like, the natural whole... one. Oh my gosh! But that's what's so fun. So the heist that like we the players had been planning mm-hmm. so hard thrown out the window because one of our players is like been caught by security and they're like railing and he's like I don't know how much I can tell them about what's happening in the world. So like the entire arc is just him being held by security <laughs> and the rest of us are like I don't know what we're doing anymore. Excuse me until uh basically time ran out for us and we had to basically do the heist or nothing at all. 
Uh, so I won't try to give away too much, but yeah, basically mm-hmm. it was like, we're going to do this cool thing. And then one of our characters was like, I, I have been arrested and, uh, I am stuck. <laughs> and we were like, no. Uh, and it just completely throw off, threw off our thing. But I'm very much right now where I'm like, Hey, Hey Bert, um, there's a really fun trope I love in D and D, which is making your characters go to a ball or like go to a masquerade. Mm-hmm. How do we make our characters go to a ball in space in Mass Effect? Because that's what I want. I really, I don't, I also like, I'm someone who's like, I don't want to GM that. I want to experience it. Mm -hmm. Because that's a trope I love to play as. Like, Wicked Eyes, Wicked Hearts, Dragon Age Inquisition, one of my favorite levels of all time. Uh, I love it to pieces. And so I love the whole idea of having to do missions while I get a ball because it's like sexy and it's fun and it's it's dangerous and it's exciting. And what's happening? We don't know. But everyone's fancy and there's dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think that's what's just so much fun about RPGs. Is just, oh, yeah. yeah. And I think that's a great thing to do, too. If, if you're a player and you're like, if there's something that you want to do in like a, a long campaign, you're like, I kind of want to go like to a beach resort and just see what that's like. Your dungeon master will probably be like, yes, I would like to do that, too. Because then there's like there's so much fun stuff that can happen. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Ask for things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love a, a, as a DM. I love it when my players come up and be like, I really like this. Or when they share their theories. I love hearing my players theories. That's like That's one of the best things. So much fun. Because then you're like that to me, that tells me I'm like, OK, do I need to lean more into this so that because they're kind of off, they're off the mark. They're off mm-hmm. the mark from where I want them to be. Do I need to like give them a little bit more support? Or if they're catching on to it, I'm like, oh, how do I how do I throw them off the scent real quick? Mm-hmm. Oh, and I just remembered Mark Mayer's character was a Vorcha. <laughs> that, Vorcha. That, I, okay. finally, I finally remembered the name of Vorcha. Nice. Very, very cool. But I put it. Question out to the internet, the interwebs. What the biggest and weirdest improvised moments from a session that GMs had to deal with and what they weren't expecting. So we're going to go around the web to see what players submitted and see what crazy, zany things their players uh, sent them all into. Yes. We start with user GM Revolution from Reddit, running a one-shot London crime heist game, how apropos. I love it. Where the gang owed money to a kingpin and had to find a lot of cash quick. They were supposed to overhear someone in the pub talking about a post office holding lots of money. But before I could even get them, give them the hook, they immediately, unusual, unusual for my players, came up with the plan to hit a pawn shop. Cue completely on-the-fly session where they ended up trying to do over what turned out to be for the real IRA, a group of Irish gangsters that had watched too much Ali G. Okay. Oh my god! Busted into a pawn shop. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the real IRA. Oh (laughs) jeez. That's what's so fun is you're like, all right, my players are going to, oh, no, you're not. Great. Okay, here we go. Ah, Sweet mother of God. I know. I love that, though. I I think crime heists are always really tricky Mm -hmm. because um, like the thing I love in a heist, and I'm guessing that a lot of people love in a heist, you love that most, Six of Crows, highly recommend it, read it. Best, Best duology out of the entire Shadow and Bone kind of 
the Grishaverse. If you like fantasy, if you like six, you really fun, different characters. You like heists, read Six of Crows and then Crooked Kingdom. Highly recommend it. Um, I think that, but the thing we love about heists is that you hold, there's always that twist. There's a twist at the end. How they pulled it off. Oh, it didn't look like they pulled it off. Ah, they did it the whole, they did it all along. And that's where it takes a lot of pre-writing from a game master. If mm-hmm. you really, really want to deliver that kind of full-on heist feel. And it's tough. It's super tough because you're basically having to expect your characters to like do it a certain way. But mm-hmm. I would give this tip. If you want to do a really good heist, make a note of every single thing your characters do on this heist and your players do. And then make the twist something that they ended up doing. I like that. You don't have to. You don't have to plan it out super hard. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You can. You can have like a in case emergency break glass option. But it's always really fun to be like, oh yeah, you know when you picked up that thing that actually like what you don't realize is inside of that vase you actually picked up was the real diamond itself. And you're like, oh oh my gosh, we pulled it off. <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, hearing you talk about kind of the heist game type and stuff, it's like I want I want to figure one out for my game now. It's like I need to figure out because this this could be so much fun and it sounds like so much fun. I've never run or played in a heist uh, in a tabletop, so it's like that sounds so much fun. It's a blast. I it's yeah it's 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 definitely one of those things that takes a lot of thought and a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. But you also have to just like you can I would say plan out your entire heist like really really detailed. But then break it down to its most basic elements of like, okay, how can they, how can we have a satisfactory high story with whatever they want to do? Good to know. Good to know. Want to take the next one? Sure. This one comes from user Redcat. I don't plan whole adventures, mostly outlines based on modules or what I've personally thought up. But one that really threw me for a loop was in a game of Deadlands Reloaded. I love Westerns. Uh, (laughs) I was using the Coffin Rock module as a framework, and the player's posse were riding their horses into town to investigate rumors of supernatural weirdness. Just to add a little flavor and gravity to the situation, as they rode into town, I added a little bit where they came upon a nearly exhausted horse with a half-dead rider on its back. I figured, hey, just a little background color or drama. Oh, hell no. It couldn't be that simple. (laughs) They turned the entire plot on its head, trying to get this guy healed. And when that failed, they set about putting together a proper funeral for him while researching (laughs) his backstory to find his friends or anyone who knew about him. Oh, my gosh. I quickly refocused the plot to work so that I'd feed them info about the real problem with the town via their interactions with the now dead writer's friends and family. Actually worked out really well but it was one hell of a moment of panic. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. It's like, don't, don't, if your players do something wacky, you don't have to sacrifice what you did. Mm-hmm. You can just kind of build it in underneath what they're doing. But I love this. I love that these characters were like, we have to give this man a funeral. We must find his family. <laughs> but how fun. And like, looking back, if I watched a movie mm-hmm. where they literally were uncovering something that was going on in the town just based on one dead guy's existence, how neat and fascinating is that? Yeah. That's something you don't see every day. So what a cool, like, I bet that's a module out there too, where it's like, that could be its own module or custom, like, or yeah, custom campaign where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you're you're through trying to find out who this mystery person is. You slowly uncover what's happening in the town that you just don't expect where you just thought you were helping one dude. Love that. that Love is, it. That is super cool. 
Very, very cool red cat. Thank you for sharing. That was a great story. Yes. <laughs> Next up, we have user Holothuroid from Reddit. They say, I really plan much, but when some players asked for Werewolf Forsaken, I took the official intro adventure and region sourcebook because I still rate them among the best I've ever seen. So the adventure is about the player characters occupying a small town as a new local pack. In the first scene, they get keys to a house which they may use. In the first scene I mentioned, the person handing out the keys seemed stressed. I wanted to cut sh wanted to cut that short so we might get to the good stuff. Upon hearing that the Araka player used the please tell me about your problems gift, they never reached the small town. Yeah? Oh. Just spiraling spiraling onto a whole nother adventure. I love it. Mm -hmm. I think that's such that is such a I've not played Werewolf Forsaken, but the please tell me about your problems. That's so fun, but also a nightmare if you're a dungeon master. It's oh, like, yeah. cool, uh, here we go. You're probably going to read really, really into whatever I say right now, especially if I'm just pulling it out of my hat. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love that ability. That's so, That's so cool. So cool. I love tabletop RPGs. They're I great. Know, they're so good. I really fell super hard in love with them during the pandemic because it was like the main thing that I based my week's time around was how many days it was until my next gameplay session so mm -hmm. I just fell in love so hard with these and they are fantastic I'll take this next of one of course this comes from user Von Bill the party was level 6 and consisted of a wizard, a bard, and a barbarian that is a fantastic trio mm -hmm. Uh, they were exploring a forest in the Feywild in search of a dragon slayer when they were ambushed by said dragon. Dragon went first dealing massive damage and targeting spellcasters. It was then, in a moment of perfect coordination, that the wizard polymorphed into a giant ape and picked up the barbarian before the bard cast enlarged on the wizard ape. The dragon was both confused and terrified that a puny human wizard was now an angry ape twice her size and began to flee. <laughs> the wizard then proceeded to rip through the forest, chasing the dragon before realizing that he wouldn't be able to outrun her. The barbarian then uttered those two fateful words, throw me, <laughs> and uh, and throw the wizard did. The barbarian, the barbarian landed on the dragon's back and began taking chunks out of the beast, only stopping when the dragon managed to charm him and convince him to jump off before disappearing into the trees to rethink her future plan of attack. There is so much that happened in this encounter. Oh my gosh. But I do, oh. I think my favorite part is the Godzilla versus Kong element yes. of this of this interaction. <laughs> if that were me at the table, I'd be like, it's God's we don't have to go see the movies, guys. We're mm -hmm. getting Godzilla versus Kong right now. We'll just play it ourselves. Yeah. I love the idea of kind of not necessarily dealing specifically with this comment, but Thinking of like a trap or a puzzle or situation where I myself don't know how the players will figure out a way around and then just seeing what they come up with. Totally. I think that's what's super fun too is you just give them a problem. Yep. And it's like, I want to see how you figure this out too. I think there's definitely been days where uh, I have improvised everything. Mm -hmm. And it, it's definitely a little stressful, but it's almost like very, very fun where it's like, yeah, like I want you to, I don't have a way that I want you to figure this out. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything planned. Just try something and I'm going to go with it. Let's let's do this. Yeah. And I love this. So good. 
And finally for this week, we have user Manny Gross from Reddit. They say, I'm no DM at the moment, but my brother DM definitely did. Not my brother DM did, definitely did not expect me to gather the flaming fist of Baldur's Gate and march with them to besiege and kill the Van Thampiers. Then continue to, by pure luck, find the secret back doors directly into one of the final rooms of the dungeon, and then just steamroll the entire encounter. Yeah. You never know I, what's going to happen. I'm surprised that your your DM brother let you do that. Yeah, must have had some let good rolls. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, there's definitely a natural 20 in there where the brother DM is just like, I can't, I can't do anything. That's, that's literally something that happened with us in Mass Effect where, uh, our Solarian, like there was an Atlas, which is these huge, like kind of like bipedal machine walkers, mm-hmm. uh, in Mass Effect, for those who are unfamiliar, these huge kind of like, kind of like a half the size of an at at yeah uh and it's just like coming through and we're like man this thing is going to kill us all and kick our butts Mm -hmm. and so our solarian like is right next to it he's like i want to try and hack the atlas (laughs) our dm just like laughs and is like okay you can try and of course he rolled a natural 20 and like our dm got up from the table and we all were just screaming and losing (laughs) our minds and so now we have it we just have an atlas on our ship because we hacked it and now it's ours and we kicked the pilot out. Uh, we haven't used it yet. It's like our, it's like our, it's like our big secret super weapon that we're mm-hmm. like, we, we can't, we can't bring it in right now. We have to save it. We have to save it, but then we're never going to use it. But I love stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you didn't expect me to do this. I have it now. And the DM just has to be like, you're right. You do. I, I just have that to go one. with it. Yep. I, I let you try and I didn't expect the possibility that you would succeed. Ugh. Hurts my soul. But thank you to everyone who shared the fate, your favorite or most memorable plot twists and crazy happenings that your players sent you on. I very much appreciate it. And as always, down in the show notes, I'll leave links to the subreddits where you can add your own plot twists and random adventures you've gone on, or perhaps you've been forced to come up with on the fly. Now, you've heard Emily and I gush about tabletop RPGs and being players and DMs and stuff. So you might be wondering and kind of thinking to yourself, this this sounds like a lot of fun, but I don't know. I'm just an experience. Well, we are here to help you with some advice that might get you started on your way. So, Emily, what new advice would you give for new players or DMs? I think this can be applied to yeah, either player or dungeon master. Use what you know. I don't know if you've heard of this phrase, but everything is like everything's repeated. Everything's been copied. Like everything can be sourced from something else. So if there's a piece of media, film, television, books or video games that you really enjoy, feel free to like let that inspire your stories, your characters, NPCs, etc. Because like it's not cheating and it's not it's not there's nothing against you. Like I base some of my stories like off of my favorite media and mm-hmm. my players immediately know it. And that's what's so much fun is because like, I feel inspired by media to then do that. And I think, yeah, like, especially if you're like, Oh man, I kind of like this character. I wish I could just play like this character, but in D and D do it, just do it. That's what's so fun mm-hmm. about this is that create, you don't have, you don't have to be like, hello, I'm professional writer, uh, John Smith. And I know how to tell Kate, ca- create characters out of my mind hole that are just so unique and perfect. No, you can literally just be like, 
Mm-hmm. I want to be the Terminator, but in D&D. Yeah. And you can do that. And so that's what the thing is most important to is having fun. The more you have fun, the more your dungeon master has fun, the more everyone has fun. Agreed. Agreed. And my is my tip is more geared towards the dungeon masters and game masters. Uh, you will never be completely prepared. Be So be comfortable just kind of rolling with the punches in what's sent your way in whatever tangents your players want to go on. It'll be for the best. It'll be a lot of fun, but just have a, a sheet or a fantasy name generator handy so you can quickly come up with NPC names that you weren't expecting to have to. Mm-hmm. That's a great tip. Yeah. Lots of good ones out there. You can tailor them to the races you need, genders, all sorts of stuff, but it saved my butt a few times, that's for sure. But we are on to one of my favorite, perhaps my favorite aspect of these tabletop-themed episodes. Emily, are you feeling like you want to get classy or racy? Let's get classy. Classy? That means we are going to be coming up with a brand new class uh, or subclass, if you so choose. Uh, What class or subclass in kind of... um, game system are you feeling today, Emily? Ooh. Um. I want to, let's play with the idea of, like, bards. Bards? I think, I think you can build a really buff bard. Okay, so we're gonna... I, I, think, a new... I think a lot of people think bards are just gonna use language and mm-hmm. use, like, use music and inspiration magic. Let's make, like, an FPS tank bard. <laughs> Okay. An offensive bard. <laughs> okay, what what should this subclass be called? Oh, um, power ballad. <laughs> power ballad. <laughs> power ballad. I love it. I like it. Sorry, I was coughing on my water. Oh, you're good. Apologies. Power ballad subclass. Love it. Okay, hit points or hit dice. Keep it just the normal mm-hmm. um, proficiencies. What proficiencies should you get when you take the power ballad subclass? You think? Ooh, let me see. What are you thinking? I'm curious to see hear what you're thinking first. I think I if like, you're kinda... rocking a power ballad, I'm thinking like a mighty axe like I feel like you have to be able to you gain proficiency in like great yes. axe your axe is also your guitar yeah it's like just like Marceline in uh, Adventure Zone or Adventure Time yep you gain that, proficiency say, yeah, you get, in like, the you great get, axe and you get medium armor I think yep. I think we put a lot of bards in light armor so give them some medium armor um yeah I like that. Um, I wish there was like a specific spiked armor class. Um, I know. We'll do, uh, you know what? We'll do medium armor and specifically spiked armor. You know? So, yeah. Yeah, why not? You know, like kiss. It'll be fantastic. Um, so that's the bo- some of the bonuses. Um, get, uh, do we, does it get any, do they get any new tool proficiencies, you think? Hmm. I think tools would be like metalworking. 
something that's like, or I think. <sighs> you know what? I like that. It's it's on it's on brand metalworking, metallurgy. Metalwork. This this bard is slowly turning into like a kiss performer for me, and <laughs> it's turning into like, uh, literally like a, a metal metal music bard, which I'm loving. You know what? You know, I, I'm liking where you're you're what you're putting down, kind of keeping on this train. Also gains proficiency in a, a makeup kit. Yes, makeup and yeah, uh, makeup kit, makeup slash disguise kit. Yes. Love it. Cool. So they can do the, the power ballad painting, the mm -hmm. face painting. Okay. I like this. I like this. Um, let's see. The power ballad bard college. I like it. It's good. It's good. So what is, would you say, what should be the kind of defining feature or the special ability of this subclass? I think, like, the special ability is that, like, we think of bards and we think, like, oh, bardic inspiration or, like, kind of general bards that create kind of general spells that either, like, help help the party or, or like, kind of affect the environment or mm -hmm, affect mm -hmm, the enemy. Mm -hmm. I want this bard to be, like, straight offense. So I think it's, like, their bard... Anytime, like, their bard spells are also, like physically offensive spells if that makes sense so like i'm picturing if we're going metal this is what i'm going in my okay. head like bardic inspiration like like a metal performer flame shoot out, out of the ground okay. and like hurt hurt those around them while they're giving kind of bardic inspiration so there's kind of like this attack element to all of their spells erupting inspiration like me, erupting inspiration yeah because like for me i'm like i'm always tempted to like not play these classes because I want to be so it's kind of like why I always pick fire starters in Pokemon. Mm -hmm. I want someone who's going to do a lot of damage. I'm not I'm not the kind of like think about how do I how do I disarm an enemy or how do I get the upper hand? No, I'm about the most damage possible. So I'm trying to build a most damage possible part. We'll do three geysers of flame erupt from the ground. Uh We'll say a uh, five foot radius. That seems. Yeah. I, I feel like a five foot round geyser would make sense. Um, diameter. Uh, within 20 feet of the bard. I think that's good. So when you use bardic inspiration, three geysers of flame erupt from the ground uh, in five feet like diameter uh, geysers within 20 feet of the bard dealing fire damage. Yes, I'm loving this. I like it. Okay, so that's like the big thing. I think uh, kind of, um, oh, what's their, what's the name of the bard skill? It's like the opposite, oh, Vicious Mockery. I think we should do something with Vicious Mockery too, like, up the up the the power of vicious mockery to like mm -hmm. a power ballad level like a i'm thinking like screamo like super just like belting it out maybe like yeah it's a cone like a reverberating cone of power ballad reverberating mockery <laughs> reverberating mockery yes and it's yeah it's not just like 
yeah, it's not just psychic damage. It's also like the force of the reverberations yeah. also give like baby damage. Uh, vicious mockery, but dealing force damage in a I would say yeah twenty foot cone. Or how big of a cone? I'm thinking like it's like emanating from the power. Yeah, ballot. I think twenty foot is good. So like yeah, one d four psychic and then like one d four force. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love it. So I think so. We got two of the main things bardic bards do: inspiring and mockery. Let's let's. As rules of video games stated, it always has to be a rule of three. So let's give them one mm -hmm. more ability. Ooh, I think... Huh. I want to give them something physical. Mm-hmm. Like physical, physical. Is there something with, like, the power of music? I'm thinking, like... I don't know, like... It, like how heavy metal musicians like will take their their guitar and like smash it on the ground maybe I'm like the same like I'm, an yeah, axe I'm shatter right there with you and uh, yeah the axe shattering finale or axe shattering encore i like that excellent okay axe shattering encore um like a splash damage i'm thinking I think yeah, physical. Like if it, if the axe makes impact, I think that's one part of it. And then yeah, if it like there's also splash damage. Mm -hmm. Uh, bard slams down. This is like a really that's like a big mood for this bard. Their mighty axe. Uh, causing initial one d twelve slashing damage. And. Uh, exploding out with shards of bardic badassery. <laughs> Dealing splash damage. Uh, damage in a 10-foot radius. 1d6. Why not? Why not? Pierce. Why not? Sound good? Mm-hmm. Cool. I, like I love it. this bard. Hell yeah. The power ballad bard college. Teaching you how to rock. And roll. And roll. Fantastic. It's a great class. It's a great subclass, Emily. You picked a great one. I just give me classes that can also like, I get support. I love support. Trust me. But I also want support that can also like do, do a little damage. Yeah. Do a little damage. 100%. You know, a little sweet and spicy. You know, you you got your mm -hmm. sweet, your sweet. Oh, Ophelia, help you out, and it's like, bam! You're not expecting it. You know, fire. Yeah, yeah it's like mango <laughs> habanero. It's sweet at first, and then it bites when you it bites you going down. <laughs> the power ballad bard, everybody. Keep an eye out, as I will add. I will flesh this out slightly and give it like actual, like stats or whatever on D and D Beyond, so you can play your own. Power Ballad Bard. Yes! But I don't have an axe-shattering encore to follow that, so I think 
this is a good place to end this episode. But thank you so much, Emily, for joining me once again. This was so much fun. Oh, my gosh, this was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And congrats again on the new G4 goodness. I, you guys are doing great work over there. And uh, thank you. Generally, thanks for being awesome. You're just so nice Aww. and awesome. But where can people find you on the Internet? What do you got cooking? Go ahead and plug away. Totally. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at frankly underscore Emily and on Instagram with a little extra underscore after Emily. So that's frankly underscore Emily underscore. Uh, on my Twitter is namely where I will like, yeah, repost articles that I write, uh, X play videos that I help write and produce. Uh, I'm working on uh, a few videos for Mass Effect Eventum and I'm working on uh, a few videos for myself. So should be putting a YouTube channel up soon. Uh, and yeah, just any kind of thoughts that I share about Bad Batch or anything else, you can find those on my Twitter <laughs> and that's the best place to to keep an eye out for what all I'm doing. And yeah, if you like Mass Effect, if you like tabletop RPGs, be sure to check out uh, Mass Effect Adventum. We're an RPG that's in our tabletop RPG podcast. that's in our second season and it's a, it's a hoot. It's a blast. Definitely give it a check out. But thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at IrrationalPod with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or you can share your own favorite RPGs or memories directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another, May you always roll 20s, class dismissed.